Hello listeners and welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast. I'm your host Ian McNally and this is the podcast where guests talk their way through the six beers that changed everything. In this episode I'm talking to Henry and Annabelle from Himmel Brewing. It's just a wonderful chat. I learned so much and had lots of fun. Stay listening to the very end because there is a very interesting snack that Henry tells us about, but also I was lucky enough to taste. Let's get into it. I'm very glad to be joined by Annabelle and Henry from Himmelhund. Welcome. Thanks, Hello. Ian. Yeah. We're sat at the moment in your brewery. Explain a little bit about um, who Himmelhund are and how you've got to this point, because I'm looking around, I can see some exciting things going on, which we'll get onto later on. But yep. who are Himmelhund? So um, Henry and I started our own uh, brewing business, originally Gypsy Brewing, um, back when we were living in Wyala in outback South Australia and home brewing in the shed out the back. And I've been home brewing for years um, since I was studying chemical engineering at uni, which apparently isn't a big surprise for people when they hear that. And uh, we started brewing and Henry was doing a bit of amateur winemaking when we met and people really liked the beer and I wanted a career change. What about the wine though? The, the, wine like was, the, wine. the wine was great. Uh, well, the they didn't get a chance to taste it because I drank most of it. It was great. Yeah. Um, and we sort of thought, we'll either have a winery, let's buy a winery, which we didn't have the mo- money to do at the time, or we can start a brewery. And um, so I went off and studied brewing at Federation Uni while working the off campus. And then we just went for it. Um, I was working at some breweries beforehand and then one brewery that I was working at closed down and we thought, let's just jump in and do it now. And Henry's got a lot of um, business now from his work and I've got the process engineering and brewing knowledge and we make a good team. And um, after a couple of years of gypsy brewing, we eventually decided to just start our own actual brewery and so um what year were you did you finish your your brewing course and then decide to make the leap you're testing my memory now (laughs) Um, 2013 um yeah 2013 wasn't it the end of no end of 2014 so i started it in 2013 and finished it sort of mid 2014 and then um was working in breweries in melbourne and then we went for it sort of i think we brewed our first beer at southern bay brewing in geelong in december 2014 yep and that was a really shocking experience watching 800 cases of beer coming off the lines thinking what have we done (laughs) all worked out well yeah i suppose if you if it all goes wrong at that point you you're left with 800 cases of beer which isn't necessarily bad that's right that's right (laughs) could be worse (laughs) and it was it was the the wit beer that the first beer was not yes that's right and that that one but that was uh, in that sky blue label is that right and uh, because i think i actually bought one of the slabs 
um, of the, it would have been one of those 800 slabs. I think yeah, you were doing yeah, like great. free delivery to the door. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'd, I'd ordered one of those slabs Thank and you. enjoyed it very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so a wheat beer is, yeah, it's risky mm. kind of opening is it, was there a, a plan <laughs> behind that? Was it that just because wheat beer was your passion? Um, or was it it was clever business sense that you thought, well, we'll carve out a unique niche in terms of Australian Not wheat really. Beer? I'm, I'm just ob- obsessed with wheat beer um, and always have been. And I think one of the first beers I brewed for Henry when I met him was a Hefeweizen and you loved it as well. Or you told me you did, <laughs> and it we just that was the beer that was the one that we loved, and um, our our friends and everyone loved it, and we just decided to go for it. And it was sort of after we made it, we thought, oh god, this is a bit risky, <laughs> but you know, it paid off. It paid it? off. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so um, the name as well. Why? Why the name? Tell us what it means as well. I think I can guess what it means, but I'll let you do the explaining. Uh, I'll just jump in and say that after I've read the whole dictionary to get the name, it took a bit of time, but it doesn't matter. Um, so in the end, we had like a few ideas. It took forever to choose a name, like months, I think, almost. But um, so our, we got a Australian cattle dog, and her name is Sky. So in the end, we decided uh, we'll just call our brewery um, Sky Dog. Basically, that's what it means. Yep. But instead of using English, because we got like basic um, German type beers and her background, we decided we'll just change it to German and call it Himmelhund without the umlauts on it. And um, yeah, so we took it off. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Annabelle's friends, I love my German. And um, so it's like something pretty funny. Although when you look at a label and you see like the name and the two umlauts on there, although it's um, spelled not exactly correctly, people just go like, this is spelled wrong, this is spelled wrong. We got so many people calling and asking oh, if you think spelled wrong fix it up of a friends but historically it should be spelled like that so I'll keep to that because I chose to keep the two dots there but now it's gone so the dots outfoded. are disappeared <laughs> yeah so that's cool yeah so that's how the name came about eventually and then um, yeah it just stuck and we just kept it and our dog's happy about it we're happy about it so it's pretty cool. I actually do think it's much better than Sky Dog. Yeah. If you called your brewery <laughs> Sky Dog, given other dog named breweries. I There's think. so yeah. many dog breweries. We it's thought nice, we can't do that. And we're like, let's just change it into German. And yeah. Is there any different. breweries in, in Germany that you know of that are named after dogs? No. So I think in Germany, they typically stick to tradition and name their breweries after the region, the area, and not their pets so they probably think we're crazy <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a bad thing got it suppose if you yep. want a point of difference um so we're here to um talk through six beers that changed everything um i'm interested because annabelle you spent time in in europe in germany and sweden yes. is that right and um that is not a local australian accent henry south african so I'm very looking forward to hearing, <laughs> and and also with uh, you have more of a wine background. Did you did you think? Oh, I um. So when I grew up, I drank much more wine than beer, just generally as a thing. And um, so I started like a side branch of chemical engineering called metallurgical engineering, which is like metal science. And um, so I just started making wine because I was living close to a winery, especially in South Australia, and. Um, 
when I moved down here. And um, so one of my friends, um, we like found a farm that supplied grapes to us. So we just like drove three hundred kilometers, got some grapes, took it back home, made wine out of it, and. Um, that's why there's battles in here at the moment. We shall talk about later on because that's just one of the things I do. I just get battles and put stuff in it. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. But, yeah, so my um, I didn't drink much beer until I met Annabelle. I was more drinking wine. But, yeah, I can tell you about that later on if you want to know about it. <laughs> no, that's great. So, um, well, let's get started on your, on your beer journeys. Um, we'll start with you, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, first beer. What's your first choice? <laughs> um, my first beer, not necessarily um, best, but the first beer that came to mind uh, when you asked us to be on the podcast was Victoria Bitter or VB. Um, I've heard of it. Not <laughs> sort of a pretty well-known um, beer in this area. Not a craft beer, not a beer that I drink at all really um, anymore, but... I basically I have memories. My first beer that I drank my was my grandfather's beer. He only drank Victoria Bitter, and he told me it was the only beer that you could drink. And he used to have a long neck of VB every day, sort of after his lunch, and let me have a taste. And I thought beer is disgusting, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I it's sort of I have a nostalgia, sort of very Ill, irrational. A logical sort of fondness for VB now, yeah. being Victorian as well. <laughs> yeah, there's, de- there's definitely nostalgia. Attack. I think VB know that as well. Their marketing campaigns <laughs> definitely key into that mm-hmm. uh, nostalgia and the you know the hard earned thirst and all the rest. Um, and particularly, I would imagine there's lots of of grandfathers across Australia who would be uh, yeah. who would be evoking the same memories. So that so that's your first choice and. It is. Um, is strictly long neck is it, are you going to go for a can or a long neck or um i I'd, I'd probably go for the stubbies there a lot of people say that they taste different sort of the can and drinking out of the stubby What's between the them but um is it a grenade that what is the one that the little one that they call a grenade yeah that's right clasp in your hands yep. yeah so. that was completely new to me when i came to australia <laughs> definitely but it sounds a bit aggressive but for me uh henry your first choice, V6. Well, I have the same story. It's pretty disgusting. So um, in South Africa, when you grow up, you drink beer shandies with your parents. Okay, So uh, the main two beers in, in uh, South Africa, so I, brought, I accidentally have one of them. So a bunch of my buddies said, oh, use some Castle Lager. So there's two beers. One's called Castle Lager and um, one's called Black Label. And that's like the two main beers that you get in South Africa. And that's what you drink growing up. It's pretty disgusting. It's like baby. Yeah, so I don't drink much of them, so I would drink beer shandies if I dr- ever drank them. So I, um, I'll tell you, my second beer is going to be like a bit of cider because you know, I start drinking cider instead of beer all the time because that's what you have to buy at a shop when you go somewhere, you're not taking wine with you, so yeah. So uh, that's the bottle, and um, it's a guy called Charles Glass. At the top, he's very famous. He was the first brewer that actually brewed there, so all the bottles since ever. It's got Charles Glass on it, and his adverts about Charles Glass all over the TV. So, yeah, it's also like an old, old nostalgic beer, same type of thing. Everybody drinks it. Everybody's grandfathers drink it, so, yeah. And, and, and you can uh, take that and enjoy yourself. I think that Victoria Bitter and... Also, lager are both in balance. It's not necessarily the balance that you want, but um, <laughs> they, they're pretty consistent. Gold, yeah, consistent gold uh, label type of beers. Yeah, and they yeah. are all over South Africa. Like when yeah. I was in South Africa, you couldn't walk 
down the street with LT and Castle somewhere. That's right, yeah. Um, and, you know, still going very strong today. Like, yeah, they do a lot of marketing and they, they, they um, support most of the sport in South Africa as well. So cricket, rugby especially, and that's where everything is. And now late, lately in like soccer, football, they, they do a lot of um, work in it as well. So they're pretty good. And they, they, own their own. And they also own a lot of um, like barley farms. So they've developed the barley farms in and around South Africa to actually be able to make enough beer. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. So, company, it, yeah. so if Himmel could sponsor a sport, what would it be? <laughs> Curling. <laughs> Dominoes. Mm. AFL. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave Tennis. that with you. Oh, you think about that? With you? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a good that question. A a, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a bit of a tricky it's question. There's <laughs> many, many strange sports for people who won't be even normal. <laughs> okay, so well, they were both very kind of geographically nostalgic beers for yourselves. Yes. Um, Annabelle, choice two? Um, choice two... Um, I'm going in chronological order of drinking them, but um, which is my favourite on the list, one of my favourite beers of all time, um, which you can't – I haven't found it in Australia yet. Um, the Tucker Weizen, which is a wheat beer made in um, Nuremberg. And when I was 16, I was lucky enough to go to Nuremberg for three months as an exchange student and stay with a the family there. And when you're 16 in Germany, you are legally allowed to drink beer and wine at the pub. So I definitely uh, imbibed. (laughs) And this is what uh, my German dad drank. And he'd give me a Tucker to drink with him. And he was really pleased that I, um, because my exchange partner, she didn't really like beer, that I, I was interested in beer and drinking it with him and would have it at the pub. And it's... it. It was sort of like this moment for me when I tasted um, a Hefeweizen of just, wow, this tastes fantastic. I love the banana. Many people, I mean, a lot of people don't like it, um, but I, I love the spicy phenolic character. I love the heavy wheat and just can't get enough of it. So that was the moment that I just fell in love with. Wheat beer and German beer and realised that VB was not the only <laughs> beer in the world. <laughs> and, and so what was the scenario in terms of going to, were you going to, walking to a local pub and was it served on tap there or um, bottle? So we'd buy it from the bottle shop in bottles and it was at all the local sort of restaurants and um, pubs would have it. We actually, just as a side note, we'd actually went, with friends from school when we'd go and drink at the local Irish pub called Irish Castle where I'd drink Kilkenny <laughs> in Nuremberg, in the middle of Bavaria, drinking Kilkenny. So. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> it seems like a very Irish thing to do, to, to, uh, yeah. to twist the system and drink, drink where you shouldn't. That's right. My heritage is, uh, is Irish, so I'll um, blame it on that. <laughs> yeah, and Henry, your second choice. So, yeah, so uh, it's not really a beer, it's a cider, but um, I think it's, imp- it's like interesting. So um, one of the um, companies in South Africa, they're called Hunter's Gold. I don't know if you've, I think you can buy it here, even if you it's available. It's like um, in the same range of like Savannah, so it's also South African cider. It's like a dry cider. So they sponsor a lot of um, sport teams in water sport, especially. And so 
how I got this. I used to watch Rubber Duck Racing and Hunter's Goals, like for, for, for guys that run it. So that's where I got it from. Sponsor Rubber Duck yeah. Racing. Can you explain right. this before you explain the, the drink? <laughs> what is Rubber Duck Racing? Oh, so, so, um, so um, you know, like the life saving guys that's around here? Yep. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. um, that, that little rubber boat that they have, it's called Rubber It's Africa's called ah, Rubber Duck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's got, it's, it's not, so, I was yeah. picturing something yeah. completely no, different. No, so that's what it is. But it's slightly bigger and um, it's got like a 50 or spare motor on the back. And so it's, it's basically it's like it's like life saving as we started as well but basically it's it's how fast can you get over into the sea with motors on it and they get so it's like racing it's not like anymore like i'm gonna save somebody's how fast can you get there so motors are blueprinted and like it's it's designed properly so um they when i lived in um on cape and west coast of south africa near cape down they used to do racing up there and they also do like a two thousand kilometer race around the cape um good hope and um so when you go to the beach and that's on that that's Hunter's goals everywhere, and um, it's a good alternative to average beer, uh, and that wine's too hot in summer, so yeah, that's why I started drinking that, so um, it's pretty good, it's like a dry cider, and a lot of people drink it as an alternative to beer, yeah. That west coast of um, South Africa is very different in terms of the feel to it uh, than Johannesburg or Pretoria yeah. or any major yeah. conurbations. How does that affect, does that affect... Uh, what people drink and yeah. and the success or failure of um, wines or, or beers or ciders. Yeah, so nobody really lives on the West Coast that much. So if you go from Cape Town on the West Coast, there's like maybe f- one biggish town, but it's more like an export harbour for iron ore that goes out of the country. But up the coast, is really nothing. It's a holiday. It's, it's like birth. It's like sand and desert. And when you get to the coast... Um, or to the border between Africa and Namibia. It's the same going up there. So that's where a few diamond mines are. So a lot of diamonds mm-hmm. come from there. And um, so in Namibia, there's a, um, a beer, and I'll tell you now what it's called. I almost forgot the name now. But yes, yeah, so they got the same of beer. They have a light beer that they drink down the coast. It's really hard. It's like desert. So you will drink average light beer, like for water. That's a mm. way you can't drink because we'll drink a lot of beer. So um, it's like nice and light. And um, so people take it on holidays. Well, so if you go down there, people drink all kinds of stuff. But the beer that's sold in most of the shops are like light lagers up and down the coast. Mm. And um, this out of Cape Town is wine. So people drink like a lot of white wine. Yeah, not necessarily beer. And um, what else goes up there? Nothing really. That's it. And then if you go into Namibia, you basically get to um, Vinduk, Vinduk Lager. That's the name of it. Yep, it's called Vinduk Lager. So that's the capital. And if you go up that, after Vinduk, when you go up north, it's just everybody will buy Vinduk Lager, Vinduk Light, and just go and go fish. It's a big, big fishing area because nobody goes there. So yeah, it's pretty good. Nice and clean. So second choice is the cider. Yeah. Um, what's the name of it again? Tell me again. Uh, so, so it's called Hunter's Gold. Hunter's gold, yeah, and what yeah. what would be the percentage alcohol of that? Uh, that I think it was like four yeah. percent. Okay, yeah, so yeah. very approachable, yeah, yeah, yeah. very drinkable, right, yeah. sessionable. Yeah, pretty easy, sessionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah and nice and light and dry, not sweet at all. So yeah, it's good. And what I'm also interested in, it's probably more a personal question <laughs> yeah. for me, is is what what is the price compared to say buying a six pack of, of beers or ciders in South Africa? Compared, mm, I think that most of the thing, uh, most of the beers cost exactly the same compared to so uh, if salary wise. So when you get a, so I'll give you an example. If you get a salary year of um, they say fifty thousand dollars salary there is like two hundred thousand rand. So it's the same. So percentage wise, when you drink mm. stuff and do stuff, you live exactly the same way. Houses cost the same price. It's much the same compared to your salary as a value. But if you would go there and buy something, because you can get, I think it's nine at the moment. So I think if you if you do the normal translation, it'll be like four. But because you get twice the amount of money for you, it'd be very cheap to go to South Africa and 
drink. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. drinking culture as well. Is yeah. there much of a pub culture or is it more around restaurants? Uh, it's, it's more at restaurants. When I was, as I was, let's say, 10 years ago, definitely restaurants. If you go out to restaurants and drink, um, and the main things you'll drink is beer and um, brandy, really. So this has been mm. called Clip Drift, which is made by everybody drinks. Yeah, it's, it's basically rock. Yeah, it means rock. Yep, so everybody drinks that. So that's the two things I drink mayonnaise, brandy, and the. So I don't know if they've changed really recently to something like gin or something, but I don't think think so. I think they'll be on the brandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. That's what I think still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that surprises me. Don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, brandy seems unusual. Yeah. It, it, it's it's also different if you go to different states. If you go to Cape Town, people drink a lot of wine in Cape Town and area of the and they'll they'll drink other they'll drink other stuff. Um, more like a range of um, alcoholic drinks than just brandy. But if you go anywhere north of Cape Town, it's just basically brandy, brandy and coke and. Um, Year. <laughs> that's it yeah yeah no wine really <laughs> yeah. yeah great yeah. so um annabelle you're a uh, third choice third choice it's another um doozy uh is the <laughs> it's Tui's old which is their dark yeah. ale so um the reason i chose this one was uh when i was back in australia again and at uh, melbourne university um just after school all the pubs around uh, Melbourne Uni would, had just been taken over by Tui's um, and all you could get on tap was Tui's New, which we affectionately called Tui's Spew <laughs> between friends. <laughs> and, um, you know, you'd go out and have jugs of beer with your friends and boat races and the whole thing. Um, and I considered myself after being in Germany a beer aficionado and I said, I'm not drinking that. I, 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 like I, I sort of, there was something about the two is new that I just didn't sit well with me. I just didn't like the taste. Um, so then anyway, one day I was in one of the pubs and I thought, oh, what's two is old, you know, that was on tap there as well. So I just asked for a two is old and got this dark colored beer and I'd Never really um, – I'd had Dunkelweizens in Germany, but I hadn't um, really come across a dark ale yet in my beer drinking, and um, it was delicious. I actually haven't had it for at least 10 years. So wow. Who knows well, there's delicious. a bottle I've got sat one there, there right yeah. now, so um, Might have to open maybe that we should open it and see what the verdict is, Annabelle, and, and see, see whether it see still it, tastes yeah. as, as sweet as it did um, 10 years ago. So, yeah, um, I'd be drinking my pints of um, Tui's Old while um, turning my nose up at all my friends with their Tui's New. <laughs> it almost <laughs> it, it, it strikes me as something that older people would drink. As yes. well, a two years old. It strikes like me like it, old people in the RSL drink. would be yes. having that one. Um, so matured <laughs> before <laughs> my time, <laughs> and it does um, say on the back that it's best enjoyed from a chilled glass, which is a bit of a controversial stance because yes. there's evidence to show that maybe a chilled glass attracts the smells and things from the fridge and. Um, some Taste. something scientific and, going and on. In the well, beer. well, Henry <laughs> Henry was talking about this to me the other week because um, he's a great researcher of any fact. I'm using inverted commas because people will state that things are facts all the time um, <laughs> to find out the truth. And you were—I can't remember the exact conversation—but you were talking about whether or not it was worth chilling glasses before serving them, and I think you concluded that it was a waste of time. Uh, so there's, there's two things. So one thing is um, people like 
touching a cold glass when they buy a beer. Uh, and that's a big selling point in any place. If it's like hot and you can touch a cold glass, it's amazing and you'll sell more beer. It's just like one of those things. And a chilled glass looks like, whoa, man, it's great. I'm going to quench my first. So um, as a marketing thing, it's great and it works. As a let's drink beer thing, it's actually bad because you don't want beer to be served cold in the first place. In any case, no beer should be served in any case at four or three degrees Celsius. So chilled glass is actually a waste of time. But it's definitely true because whatever's in your fridge will be in the water that condenses onto it. So it's not, if your fridge is clean, well, maybe it's okay. But um, for beer flavor, it's it's not a good thing because you, you actually want your beer to warm up slightly, not cool down even more maybe when it comes out the tap. So, um, so yeah, so, so it's actually better to just not serve chilled beer glasses, really. So yeah. maybe we should write to do two ease of service. Maybe if we write and tell them to stop putting on it, they'll sell a lot more because people realize that you... Now, Annabelle, just while Henry was discussing that, you actually had a mouthful of the two ease old for the first time in 10 years. You've probably tasted a lot of beer in those interim years. <laughs> How's it holding up? Um, it's good. I didn't spit it out. Um, <laughs> it's... it's um, it's very clean, sort of no strange aftertastes. Um, I think my palate's developed now that I prefer sort of more like your like Sierra Nevada Porter, like that style of kind of thick, full-bodied. Um, I just, if I drink a dark beer, I want it to have body, and this is a bit weak and thin, but um, not too bad. It's not offensive, it's not offensive. It's, it's great as an 18-year-old uni student where your basic um, end goal is to consume as much <laughs> beer as you can in a short well, amount of time. S- speak so. for yourself, Annabelle. <laughs> 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 so that's your third choice. We're back in Australia there. And, um, and Henry, what's your third choice? Then I flew to Australia. So after living in South Africa, this is my third choice, important, I think. Um, so I flew to Australia and I went um, go work in South Australia at a mining company. So that was when the whole mining boom happened and the country was going crazy, et cetera, et cetera. So there's heaps of people that moved around. But um, Annabelle also started um, working at the same mine that I started working, fortunate for me. And we met through, because we all both do basically engineering and um Eventually, we hooked up and moved in together, and then I found out that she likes making beer. And because we're both engineers, we decided to convert our shed into a super brewery, we, and we both love building stuff. Yep. So it's like, well, yeah, let's get a few parts and pieces and bits and things. We made a lot of beer, and then um, we had to invite people to come, actually, okay, and have some beer. So... Although the first beer was what Animal made, um, this is actually, so I took it out of a fermenter just now because we're busy brewing it. It's our wheat beer. So it's, that is the current version we're making, which is basically the same as the original one. So you can um, smell and taste it when you bought your case of beer before. Yeah. So um, my favorite beers are two wheat beers, bad wheat beer and a Dunkelweizen, which is not here. And um, we're Good making choice. it. Yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> great beer. So, after we had other beers in the norm, where I said, oh, it's great. It's like it's like m- much more towards wine taste and much less offensive. So people will know when I say I hate IPAs. I don't hate IPAs. I just I don't like hops that much in a in a flavor in a flavored way. So I, I like multi beers or things that's phenolic like that. Yeah, so it's great. I love it and I like spices and like Indian food. So it's pretty cool. But one of the coolest things about that beer is I can do this with it. So I'm a chemistry crazy person. But um, so um, I like traditional old stuff. And that's why we got barrels as well. So this is just a wheat beer and it's got heaps of Morello cherries in it. And that's how people used to make 
sour beer taste even better and I'll give you some in a thing if you want to taste it so it's happening in our battles basically we are basically making old style sour beers that's oh, okay it's cool there you go. So it's like a sour beard. This is great. This is what I, uh, I'm, I'm literally in the best uh, science lesson ever. <laughs> uh, uh, we we had these things in school. I didn't quite know what to do with them. I didn't yeah. realise you were supposed to drink out yeah. of them. They're <laughs> called beakers. Yeah. yeah. That's Henry's yeah, um, choice of yeah. drinking yeah. vessel. Yeah. So, I, so my choice of drinking vessel at the moment is a beaker because I'm doing heaps of taste work with catching yeast and tasting things. And um, in here, so I've got heaps of beakers where I just like put stuff in and taste things. So that's what I use often. So yeah, so that's what we can you can do with a basic wheat but you can change it into many different things so we got some wheat beer in battles it's aging just like it is we got a few of lacto in it a few of different fruit on it so we just started playing with fruit just now um yeah so that's why it's actually it's a good beer to drink just like it is but you can also create heaps of other stuff with it i'll i will <laughs> take pictures of uh of of this so we can put it out so when people listen to the episode when you're listening you can have a look um, and see the pictures as well um it's it's delicious. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I don't know if it looks delicious when you look at it. It kind of, it's not in the best light, I think. But it's absolutely yeah. So so when you when you look, at it, it's like a, it's like a creek almost. It's just not yeah. um, make the same way, but it's, but it's like light light red. So if you put this into a battle and leave it, it'll all the little pieces in there will actually settle out, and it will be basically see a claret color. You can see right through it. Yeah, it'll be like a like a like a darkish red wine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, in, in color, and that's, that's how it will taste, and that's, that's how creek mm. used to be made. So people used to uh, make beers that went sour because it used to be sour because it's stored it, and then um, when fruit came into season and you wanted your beer to just like change it up a bit, they just added cherries to it or mulberries or anything. Yep, and it works pretty well. So um, as we do, so we got a few barrels of um, old Flanders red we're making. So we just have to wait for another year. It takes like two years for it to like um, mature properly and then the last six weeks we'll put cherries onto it and then that'll be like a, like a creek style yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll see how it comes out are you improvising when you're using the barrels or you get the barrels with a plan uh, or you're trying to seek out a particular type of barrel or are you seeing what you can get and then thinking what to do with it next yep so so, so if you um, own a big brewery with heaps of barrels you would get certain barrels of certain wineries with certain wine in it because for the first beer that you make in it because it's going to mix up a little bit um, but we don't do that we basically get barrels where we can because it's busy not impossible to get but it's pretty difficult to get barrels but um, we so this barrel room has got a few people that actually make beer here and a few of them actually got connections to wine, to a few winemakers. When it's empty barrels, we get every now and then we got a, uh, we got a battle do you want one. So we just get whatever we get. And um, if it's got wine in it, it's actually good because then you can play around. So the first time you use it, you can have like you can make a beer for the wine that's in it, for the taste, or you can wash it out and clean it if you want to. But that's not very creative, so I won't do that. <laughs> and then um, if it's really bad, to wash it properly. But um, So you make your first beer in beer, you can say, okay, this battle is... Um, it's a French oak barrel, so it'll have a bit more oxygen going into it. So you don't want to make a beer in there, leave it like a, st- like a stout, but it's barrel Asian, leave it in there for too long, so you'll do something else. But um, barrels in the generation have a flavor from the actual barrel after, because winemakers use it for like maybe six, seven years, so the, the oak flavor is gone out of it. So you just use it for a storage vessel and for it to get mm. old in, really. So then after you've done it once, so like the barrel that's um, up there, it's, a, it's got apple cider and saison mix in it and it worked really well, so we're keeping that barrel. So once the barrel worked really well for something, you just keep it for that and just like, yeah. So we only done it for like two and a half years now, so 
that's the only thing I know so far to be honest. But yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yes, he's information like Milk of Funk. It's a web, like a Wikipedia page, and guys that writes all about making sour beers and battle beers, etc. So that's where we all read and find things out about and do it. Yeah. Well, if it seems like you know the craft beer movement is is so moving so quickly at the moment, and styles come in and out of fashion. But is it taking a risk to kind of do something that takes two years or to come to fruition in such a fast-moving market, or are you ahead of the game? <laughs> Way ahead of the game. No, so um, so this is like a so it started as a sideline. So so it's not a sideline. You're like ah, wine barrels. Let's make some beer because I've made one before. Like, I'll, I'll do it. So. Um, I'll make all traditional Flanders stuff and I don't really care. It's not our main way of making money for our business. So this is just playing around. And then because I started having it, a few other guys said, oh, let's do some stuff. So there's like many guys are involved in actually other battles. So I, f- I think that like, like sour beer is, is evolving, getting more and more into the mainstream market. And I think for the next 10 years will easily happen. And because it's like so close to wine and wine hasn't gone out of fashion. Yeah, it's always there. So even now with spirits is high, there's like a cycle that goes spirits, wine, beer. Yeah, so spirits is kind of an upcycle. And then eventually it'll be wine again and then it'll be back to beer. So yeah, so it's a good investment. It's a good investment and it's a good place to play. It's not really, we don't really care about making money out of it. We care more about actually playing around with it at the moment. So yeah, it's good. It's great fun. And people can come and see the barrel room because you've got a kind of kind of a, a tasting room here where people can come. What tell us the details of when they can come along and Yeah, so we are currently only open every first weekend of every month. So we open up for for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, eight to twelve. So you can come in and normally all this pull the pins out and you can have some beer from all kinds of things and um, but what we've done is we also we had brewing classes so people come and actually make beer for battles so we made a beer called Brown Room which is a battle up there so people was like Annabelle does classes every month and she forced me to do one as well with battles it's good, it's good, it's good. Yeah. and um, so we made, it's good yeah so people come around and do things so there's a few like guys that's like private that's come and say oh, we've been to your brewery it's great can we please put a battle in there and stuff around because it's like difficult to move around a 300 kilogram battle so we don't really care we just go yep there's space up there let's get a rack let's get a battle chuck it in and make something and put it in there yeah so it's pretty good so yeah every first weekend of every month and yeah, uh, yeah excellent well i r- certainly recommend i've been down here before and uh, i certainly recommend um anybody who's uh, around in in brunswick brunswick uh, yeah. yeah brunswick to come along and um and check it out was this the first venue you looked at that you'd like to move into or was it a bit of a search or is it here by chance um, or we we were looking um, kind of around South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, because we were living there at the time when we first came back from th- South Australia because I was working around the corner there. Um, and we just – and we sort of looked all over the place. We looked at some kind of wine farms as well that we thought we'd have a brewery in as well. Uh, we'd looked at one in Clare Valley when we were living over there and some near Mornington. And we just had really bad luck with the kind of real estate going – oh, you know, this property that's been on the market for 10 years, suddenly we've got three other people, so you need to give us a higher price. And we got sick of it and we just, no. And then um, we found this place because down the other end, so it's a shared warehouse space. We've got a boat builder in here, a guy that makes windscreen wiper blades um, and little offices down the back that people use. Um, And there was a friend of a friend had a, a lab like a community science lab in here in one of the offices down the back and she gave me his contact details and he said oh yeah there's a the office next to mine's available come and look and then we met the guy that was um running that 
and we rented this little space because I just wanted somewhere to come and do test brews and not work at home because I just procrastinate and play with the dogs and <laughs> do all everything, you know, that suddenly needed to be done instead of working. And so I could come here and actually get work done. And then um, the guy that makes windscreen wiper blades that had the whole whole half of the warehouse here didn't need that much space and he's South African as well and he loves beer so we built a kind of camaraderie with him and he said if you want to start a big brewery you can have the other end half of my space and we've slowly been pushing him further and further <laughs> into the corner since we got here. Like a windscreen wiper, just moving, right. the, moving the leaves closer. <laughs> to. So, well, that's great. And uh, and it, what's the what's the plan? What Are you going to kind of expand here? Are you going to kind of build, move out? Are you going to outgrow the place? Um, we... We like it here, like it's really great being here at the moment and it's a good location, get a lot of foot traffic walking past, checking things out. Um, We live sort of in the street behind, it's really convenient. Um, So we're hoping to just um, keep expanding and moving a little bit. Just don't tell there. it. Just don't yeah, tell that's him. right. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> till he's out on the street at the other end. No, no. Um, but for now, we're we're staying put. There's plenty of space for us at the moment, um, and we'll see what happens. We'll definitely stay in the area. I think um, the my ultimate dream is to have also have a um, sort of farm out somewhere with where we can have just a sour brewery shed. Keep the main brewery going here and. Um, just have just be outside so it's sort of i sort of want to f- do something like otter brewing in devon um which have like an underground cellar so they don't have to use power for that solar panels um recycling the water a local water source and so that's a long way down the track but i can dream <laughs> it is it's good to have dreams it's good to have something that you can work towards as well um we're on to your fourth choice we have three beers each to go um annabelle we'll keep we'll keep going in this okay. order this was a tough one it was i've got about 50 beers i'm choosing between um but i ended up going for prickly moses otway light with a special honorable mention to their also prickly moses their seasonal blueberry wheat beer they made for the blueberry festival i think that was down that way um and that's uh for a a few reasons um one is when i was at uni i actually unfortunately had my drink spiked at a uni function and had one drink and don't remember anything and Luckily, it was with friends, but um, I was quite unwell and I couldn't drink anything for more than six months. And so when I wanted to start drinking again, I wanted to go for something lighter in alcohol. Um, And there's not too many good light beers around, unfortunately. And I found the Prickly Moses light. um, I don't know where I got it from, but someone got me one bottle and I couldn't find it anywhere so I thought I'm going to go on a trip I'm going to drive to the brewery and so um, of course that area the beautiful rainforest all around there and sort of you know was hiking to a waterfall and five minutes later I'm off driving past the brewery um, and 
went in there and I was walking around. They also had, um, I don't know if they still do, but like a winery that was on the side as well where the brewery was. And I was sort of walking around and checking if the cellar door was open and it turned out they'd closed it for a while and um, wandering around and this guy came out and said, oh, hi, how are you going? Really friendly. Um, the brewer from um, Prickly Moses. And he said, oh, yeah, come on in out the back. And he gave me a tour of the brewery and showed me around and taste this and that. It was fantastic and just was in, you know, engineer's heaven looking at all the tanks and things <laughs> and their little hand bottling line. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to um, – just bottling at the moment. I'll just um, label you up a case of um, light beer and just <laughs> gave it to me there on the spot and I think I didn't have enough, quite enough cash. He's like, that's fine, just take it and – took my case so that was a really great experience and the the beer's really good i think it's something to do with the water there or something being so good yeah so they seem to be very locked into that region and um but you do get their beers in melbourne um yes they've just maybe probably in the last two years gone through a rebrand and um I re- remember one of their beers called chainsaw which which scared me a little <laughs> bit i think so <laughs> No, that's great. So, and um, it's it's kind of nice when you meet a friendly brewer. It shows you around. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it does help. Um, Henry, what is your fourth choice? Yeah. So I'll just go on for wheat beer. So it's uh, Dunkelweizen. So it's also Annabelle that um, made it. So, no, shit, we made it one day. It was like amazing. But um, a more important thing is that um, not important thing, baby. At Hofbrau House in Melbourne on the South Bank, they have really good Dunkelweizens, and I took good story. When I um, I worked at the ABS for a while with contract stuff, and um, I finished off. And the, interesting that nobody at the ABS drinks craft beer. They just drink, but it was on tap. They know nothing about it. But in any case, so I took a few of them and said, "Okay, I'm going to go for my party. I'll see you at Hofbrau House." And we basically. Um, Drank all the Dunkelweizen out of the place. There's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> it was ha- Hackershore. Yeah, Hackershore, yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty funny. But yeah, it's, it's great beer. It's always fantastic. And um, we're actually going to brew one next week, our first one here. But we might, yeah, so that's our, one of our beers. And um, yeah, I'll keep a case for myself. So pretty easy beer. Good drinking. Yeah. And Henry's keyring uh, is actually one, it's one of those. Um, Flip tops, flip tops yeah. on this hack up short um, bottle. <laughs> made me sneak it in my handbag. I don't think they would have cared and um, <laughs> used it as a key ring now <laughs> for his house keys. Yeah. Reminds me to get one. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's great that a relationship where someone will steal something for you. That's, that's a good idea. I, but, agree, yeah. <laughs> I actually really. Uh, j- when you the story of when you met each other and, and got together, I really liked the bit where you said we you know, we met each other, we got on and and then we found out we liked beer. Which I thought was really nice because what a bonus that would be. And it, you already get along. It's not because of beer. Yeah. But it's like but what a great yeah. bonus. <laughs> Engineering and brewing, it's great. And outdoors. <laughs> so, um choice five, Annabelle. Choice five five um i've got a bottle of two birds sunset ale uh i think one of the first kind of um independent breweries that i tried their beers and kept going back and buying it as a staple beer was the two birds sunset ale and the golden ale um they're both great i just like the sunset a little bit more um and 
one of the reasons I chose this as well, apart from it being a delicious beer, um, is because drinking that beer and then reading about two birds and um, Jane and Danielle, seeing that Jane had her own brewery was when I had that like a heart moment going, oh, I can be a brewer too because unfortunately there's um, – not wrong word, unfortunately, but there there is a – unbalanced between men and women in the industry it's which is fine I mean all the guys I know in brewing are fantastic and lovely um but I just didn't didn't cross my mind that I could make a career out of beer um so that kind of inspired me to say actually I can do this as a job and go and study brewing and go for it as well yeah, and I think two birds of like maybe 2011, 2012 or something. They're still very young, but they feel like complete veterans yes. in the in the in the scene. And the two birds sunset is is one of my personal favorites. I think because it's kind of described as like an American amber. I think people kind mm. of go to, but it's actually reminiscent for me of English style bitters. That sort of toffee caramel kind of really warming uh, comfort comfort kind of drink yes. um but yeah it's, it's really nice and uh they've they've set up the a really nice the nest it's yeah, called is it in yeah, spotswood um and i think they kind of there's a bit of a parallel with with you as well is that their first beer was risky as well it's like it wasn't uh they've only i think in the last six months or so released the pale ale which is kind of books the trends but again yes. it also shows that they're quite good role models of doing something a bit different and, That's right. and um you know putting their colors to the mast and saying well we're going to do what we enjoy um so no that's a great choice and uh henry choice five for yourself i'll go to salvias it's, it's time yeah so um <laughs> so above on the bottom of my list is like same thing it's like how i've been drinking beers but actually at the top of my list of all the beers even so for normal beer i'll drink wheat beer Dunkelweizen, but for if i have to choose i'll drink a salvias that's why I play around with it all the time. So um, the first beer that was a Rodenbach Vintage, I think 2011. It was a great, and since been about 2007, 11, 13, 15, whatever's around, I just drink it. It's great, <laughs> great beer. And it's, it's amazing how they just keep it consistent all the time. But they've got thousands of battles, so it's, it's pretty easy for them to do it properly after a few um, years of making beer. So... Um, so after I had that beer, I got a battle very soon after what's going on. Did some research, found out it's going, just made it. Just don't don't care too much about it. So we said, um, so when I started doing it, I like in milk with funk. It's like all mostly American guys that's in it. So it's, it's, you can write messages to people, but you can't actually talk to anybody really that much. So I just like started my own Facebook group, and um, I just like said, whoever's available, come to the brewery, let's do some stuff. Because that's that's the way that I do stuff. I just make stuff and do stuff so um a few so after we had a bad brewery already and so a few guys be like yeah yeah let's do it so we made a battle called tablespoon so everybody just pitched in and we basically brew eight 50 liter batches one after the other over two days yep and a bit of sleep in between made it put it in together put it in the battle so that's the battle it's like at back it's just waiting to be drunk maybe after we see how we have festival we'll maybe do something to it but um yeah it's amazing it's like it's like making beer making beer is pretty Easy and then and it's like a process. You make it and it's fair if you do the right things. But um, CLB is like more like 
like, let's say nature, it's like you just put it in there. You, you can control it slightly, but at the end of the day, it's like a bit, a bit natural. It's great. It's like, it's, it's like wine making when you get to wine because grapes will determine if your beer is good or if your wine is good or bad, not necessarily the guy that actually makes wine. And um, that's why I like sell beer. So you can buy microbes and chuck them in there from Belgium or wherever. Eventually, you'll get like a stable. Uh, family of microbes living here and then we'll make some beer and it's like leave it to do its thing it's, it's amazing it's great I like it yeah. and how important is, is temperature in terms of that and how how do you regulate that or are you not looking for consistent results you just so the reason why we've not 100 barrels in here already is because we don't we, we didn't know so we because we've got this big warehouse so the warehouse stays generally the same every season but it's like really hot in summer really cold in winter and then it just like stays so um, in summer it's like between 7 and 11 degrees in here all the time so that's that's good because that's like a winter and um, in summer it's between that's the problem it's 28 and then it's like 35 but the battles are okay so we've, we've put the battles down and um, a few of them has gone through a summer the winter is okay that's not a problem it's actually the summer fluctuations but they came out without too much hassle so um, we'll put some more in so we'll make another the and have a ten of the same type of beer and put them in and then see what happens during the year. But it should be we'll, we'll see what happens. It should be okay. Um we don't regulate the temperature. Many people actually do. They have big sheets and they actually just put the temperature up to like sixteen or eighteen and that's it and it's get regulated. But it's way too expensive power consumption for making beer. I'll never, never ever do it. She'll kill me. And I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, it's it's like it's, so so we've 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 decided from the start we're gonna just do it natural and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We, I won't do it in a big shed if I don't have to. So we we will if we really like to, we'll move into a cold area somewhere and go and do it or do like otter doing and just like do it on the ground. But at the moment we'll just do it in here and whatever happens is going to happen, man. <laughs> just as long as it doesn't uh affect my brewery. Well, <laughs> so there's a line but we said my brewery before it's like a local line that's like her brewery I work there most of the time I mean this is my brewery yeah. Yeah, so, so, so that's the one thing that's important is that um, if, if the microbes from here get into the main brewery it'll affect everything but a lot of people do it they can do both you just have to be careful but you don't infect your brewery and wash it properly and do a few things of hygiene and you'll be fine yeah but you kind of you feel like you're a bit on the front foot because you you kind of expecting interesting results. Um, what have been you know when you're trying to actually brew for commercial reasons? What are the what has been the main challenges for you? You know, as being a small brewery, kind of trying to get a consistent result each time. I think sometimes as a small brewery, just getting your ingredients and supplies. Sometimes a, a supplier you will just. A big company will just go and buy everything and they're on the kind of top tier and so the people on the bottom tier just don't get what they wanted so you've got to be flexible and be able to um, substitute ingredients sort of without much um, notice to be able to sort of just do that Um, I think fortunately as sort of our sort of customers like like that they like that we brew in a really hands-on way and they don't mind if it's there's a slight difference in mm. color and things like that um i mind but uh, <laughs> they they don't which is good um what else would you say Henry? Uh, yeah so um but I think it will change slightly. So, so we've made uh, so we've made small batches of beer and we were boy- we were buying like small batches of grain and yeast etc etc so we bought like small bits of stuff and then if you, if, you, if you can't get it you can't get it and we just go okay let's substitute it but it, it, it does make a difference slightly to some stuff so they say people it's going to be okay 
people don't care that much. Eventually, we're already like much better off now already. So, so now that we've chosen, so we've chosen more local grains for our wheat beer. Although it's not necessarily exactly what we want to do at the start. It's much more. So the beer tastes the same really. It's got a little taste difference. And go, oh, it's best, but um, you won't really taste it. But um, you get a much better supply. So I think it's getting the same ingredients and then like. Mechanical milling, controlling, that's pretty, pretty easy. That's not enough money. It was more like getting right ingredients. And then, um, so we're doing bottling conditioning. So, so because we're in the shed for the first year, like making beer, we have to like learn when it's cold, hot. It's just, like one up or one down. So like I, I will go, and go, oh shit, it's really hot tomorrow. We have to do something about it. And your equipment only goes so much. And um, then you basically stuff. And then the beer is going to be slightly different. But like, it's, it's okay. We still, we go, oh, we had a hot day. The beer came out slightly more phenolic. We will go, I don't care, it's fine, I'll drink it, yep. So I don't, I don't think we'll care that much if it's not, like, off or strange, really strange. The guys that buy our beer, they don't, they don't really care. It's kind of like, yeah, it's cool, mm. no problem, man. Yeah, I so think it's good, yeah, pro- it's good. Yeah, you're probably a lot yeah. more critical and see the faults in your own work yeah, yeah. that, that other people do, yeah. don't I see. I wouldn't it. release anything <laughs> if it was up to me, but Henry's the one that just says, no, you just be quiet, we're, we're, making, we're gonna just bottle this now and sell it. And what kind of, how do you measure feedback you kind of you get your product out you've made it with a lot of love and pride you put it out there people tell us all and the time <laughs> is that good that's good generally good when all well, you go to um so henry goes and reads like reviews online i stay away from that because it's like it's like someone saying my baby is ugly or something i would imagine <laughs> if i had children um but i um i sort of feel like i'm undercover when i go and do taste things at shops because um people could generally don't expect me to be a brewer and so they'll come up and think i'm a promo girl and um they'll they'll like literally just say what they think of the beer and and which is fine because i do know like not everyone likes the same style there's there's beers that i like as a beer judge you've got to be objective and there's beers where I go, I don't like this style and it's not something I would drink a pint of, but I can acknowledge that this is very well made and it's fault-free. Um, and so, but it's really interesting. I love um, doing tastings when people don't know that I'm the brewer and they just they just let rip and tell me exactly what they think of it. And then I'll tell them I'm the brewer and they'll feel guilty and buy a six-pack. <laughs> it's win-win. That, that is really smart and uh, quite scary as well that you <laughs> could be doing the promo. But what a great way of finding out. And, and what's been that kind of the... Uh, What's been the the worst uh, scenarios you had? Has anybody um, <laughs> really not liked it? We had like an old guy when we were doing a tasting in. Um, oh, actually, no, I've got a better story than that. When we were at the um, at a at an event, I won't say which one, but we had an elderly lady with her son come over and he just ordered sort of one of we had three beers on tap and he ordered them all and he's like, oh, these are really nice. And he said, oh, which one do you want, mum? She tastes it and she goes, Ugh, disgusting and she's spitting it out on the bar and yell oh that's disgusting it was sort of quite amusing and people were sort of looking over from where they were thinking gee what have they put in their beer yeah and maybe she was employed or she was the head brewer of a rival brand that's right that's right we, we sent her on and said oh there's a great double ipa up there you might like and we, i don't think it, was, it just wasn't her 
um, <laughs> her thing, but um, that was quite amusing. Yeah. Well, I suppose the biggest judge is that people keep coming back to drink the beer and buy the beer and it keeps dif- disappearing off the shelves. And as a small uh, brewery, how do you find kind of your levels of control, you know, in terms of um, getting to suppliers, getting into bars and so on? How much in control do you feel of when the product leaves your hands that you, it's going to the consumer in um, the state that you want it to do? We, we're pretty um, strict, I think is that the right word, but about um, we, we, uh, most of the people we supply to, um, we, we know them well, we've been in there, we get along well with them, we like them, um, sort of a mutual respect relationship and they're independent bottle shops so there we're not in any big sort of chains at the moment um and so if we are take if we're on tap and we're taking our keg there these places are putting it in immediately and they're places that we go for a drink as well um regularly so we can taste it and check it and sort of those i think some of the small craft only really independent cool bars and bottle shops care about beer so they want to look after it as well we haven't had any major issues have we uh, i think one of the things is because we got we're so small it's like our, our beer are sold before we even finish putting it into kegs and then it's like being used like the next week it's like so we, we go to dan and go like here's your keg he goes like into the fridge and then we like that it's on so um so it's really good so the beer goes fresh easy done finished we get our kegs back within like two months done so it's like pretty easy at the moment and it's, really, it's a really good thing um i'm sure if, when people get bigger and bigger and you start stacking kegs up you have to be a bit more watch what you're doing so but mm. Mm, it's it's pretty good in Melbourne. I think people people treat food and beer really well here. All, all, all the time, doesn't matter where you go to. If here and there's a guy, it's people that maybe don't, but generally people know they need to treat their ingredients really well, and beer is one of them, and they treat it really well. And like anybody else said, we know most of them, and we drink there all the time. And like easy, I'll just go and say, man, what are you doing? It's like because because we know him, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So um, we're on to your last choice, and well, we'll be asking you for your. Uh, for your perfect snack uh, to go with those six beers and also a receptacle to drink them, which I think, Henry, we, we might like know yours already, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. which uh, I can testify to the effectiveness of, uh, <laughs> of that receptacle. It works pretty well, doesn't it? It's excellent, yeah. Um, so, um, Annabelle, last choice. Uh, my last one is um, Ho Garden Special, which is um, a beer that you can only get at the brewery in Belgium and so because I loved wheat beer Hogarden was one of the ones that was readily available that I found in Melbourne and would drink um, whenever I could when I went out and so when I um, was living in London East London running a pub for a year um, I went over to Belgium and decided, oh, I'm going to go to the Hogarden Brewery. And so I went to the information centre and they were like, what? Where do you want to go? They had no idea what I was talking about. And I thought, come on, this is a world-renowned brewery and I'm going to go there. It's, at the time, my favourite beer. And so um, I, I, they, the lady I was speaking to said it to her, um, another person in the office. Oh, do you know Hogarden? Oh, I think I know that. Yeah, yeah. And they Google it for me, <laughs> thinking what's going on. And then they say, you've got to get this train to here, then change trains and get a train to here. And then when you get off, go and get the bus of this number. But we're not sure where you get off. 
And so we go on this train and then another train and then a bus and the bus starts sort of going out in the middle of the countryside and not too many buildings and then the bus driver just motions at me, get off here. So I get off, no idea where I am. And I walk up into a um, uh, a bar, I guess it was, and um, they didn't speak English and they weren't too impressed with me going in saying, do you speak English, Hogarden, Hogarden? They're just sort of <laughs> yelling at me and I walked out of there and um, thought, oh, okay, what do I do now? And I was walking around and then I went, hang on, that looks like a tank in the distance. So I walked down this sort of dodgy looking this abandoned street, dirt dirt road actually, and I come up, come across this brewery, but it's closed up, sort of seems closed up the visitors centre, and I think, oh my god, this is, it was on a Sunday, and sort of had like one bus every three hours, and I, so I just sat outside. I thought I'll just wait here for a minute, and just when I got up thinking it's time to leave someone opened the door and said oh hello can I help you it wasn't the guy and from Prickly Moses was it <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> that would have been a good story and um so yeah this woman came out and I said oh, I'd, can, I'd like to do a tour and she just gave me some tokens and said go that way and I was sort of walking through the um offices no idea where I'm going and then I found a what looked like a sort of door that you put a token in so I put it in and went through and it was a self-guided tour it was amazing it was you know you walk around and read and press the buttons with the information and all the ingredients were there to smell and taste and do everything and then the best part is because this cost me about five dollars was you go back into the um the bar after you go through the tour and look at the brewery and everything you go into the bar and um you get to choose five beers on, on the tap that you get to drink uh and this was one of the best ones that i had i don't think i can even remember all the names they had all these like seasonal special ones there was sort of a one with fruit some cherries in it um and a dark one it was amazing it was just dream come true i was so happy yeah because i don't think there's we just get the standard Mm. Ho Garden, that's a, all I've ever seen, even in the UK. Yeah, I've only seen that and the Forbidden Fruit one here, but I, I don't even know if they even make it anymore after selling yeah. the company to... They've got like about eight beers America. now, so they've got a website. They've revamped it last year completely to... Somebody took it in because they changed... The, so the reason why I know that is because when I got the bottle out of the fridge, they changed the colour and the, the blue changed, and it's like very close to our Himalayan blue color we're like whoa what's going on and i just went to the website it was completely different than before so i got much more different like fruit fruit driven beers and i got like three different wheat be- like bit beers but different ones like a, a cask etc and um so i think whoever has got the uh, account now has decided to change how they look a little bit it's, it's pretty cool now it's pretty modern um yeah but the beer that, but yeah, yeah so well. we had the latest beers like yeah i don't know it changed slightly so i think the recipe isn't the same anymore yeah. it doesn't taste the same anymore yeah. i don't really drink it anymore but um back then it was it's a great story a as well how how did you manage to get home <laughs> then, <laughs> and then i walked back? back to where the bus had left me and waited for i think an hour and a half and nothing <laughs> and then i started walking up the street and just walking and then the bus came past and i just ran and waved at it and he stopped and <laughs> let me on it's not the first time that's happened to me in a strange country overseas so I was pretty lucky um yeah and then managed to get back and get on the train and on the train home I saw Stella Artois 
brewery um, on one of the stations. So I got off and went over there and then... I love that it hadn't put you off this arduous <laughs> trip and then you saw another one off. It's another adventure to go on. That's right. I'm sure Stella would have been a bit more prominent in, uh, in the... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very but clever. Someone there told me it's their... Um, their fosters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the tagline in, in the UK when Stella was marketed was it was called reassuringly expensive. Because you used to have to pay about twenty pence more a pint for Stella. They they had it at the pub it I It was like at. a premium. Mm. But yeah, that that is quite cheeky mm. to do that when Belgium was only there. So yeah, <laughs> so, Why not? Yeah, good on them. Um and Henry, sixth choice. So um after I made um, so I had Flanders Ray drank it, I mean I made it. So I mean I said okay, what's up a beer? So Annabelle and um Keith were busy doing um like beer training. So I had to go and look for beers for a section of the BJCP style guidelines and um one of the beers is uh Lindemann's Golden Bun because that's like the, the beer that everybody goes to for that style, which is an oat brine. Yep, like an old brown. And um so I just had bought another bottle of it. It's amazing. Really, 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 really good beer. So that's the second one. So the two main beers I make is Oat Brain and Flanders Red. So hence two new battles <laughs> with <laughs> Oat Brain in them. Yeah, so it's, I, I think out of sour beers at the moment, that's like probably the best beer. But even probably, yeah, probably above many of them, I think that's the best beer at the moment. So if I have to go buy one, yeah, that's what I'll buy mm-hmm. and get. And um, it's pretty well made and it's like really nicely balanced. I think it's like some sour beers are a bit too sour at the moment because we are playing around a bit, a little bit, but um, re- really good sour beers are like tart. We're not really sour. Because, and balanced. Yeah, and balanced, yeah. So it's pretty, pretty good. Um, get one, drink it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll look out for Marketing. it. Marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't get any commission from uh, uh, Lindemann's. I don't, I don't need. <laughs> no, you just need a few free bottles. So maybe a crate. <laughs> no, so um, we've, we're almost at the end, but I know that you had a couple of beers that didn't quite make the list that you particularly you annabelle um was there any ones that you'd like to give a special mention to that didn't quite make the six but were influential i will um baltica number eight uh which is a russian beer so um i went on the trans-siberian railway from mongolia uh, beijing sorry through mongolia to Russia and tried a few beers along the way and when I got to Russia they had um, this brand called Baltica and I think you can get it here now and I think it's since this is a long time ago it's since been taken over by um, a larger brewery and they've cut most of the beers out but the best thing was that um, they've had Baltica number zero all the way through to Baltica number 10 and each one was a different style of beer with the zero being alcohol free. Then one was like low alcohol and then there was a lager and all the way up. And so eight was the wheat beer. Um, and it was fantastic. So you'd get off the train and there'd be people selling two litre plastic bottles <laughs> of this beer <laughs> that you'd quickly grab in at the sort of 10 minute stop over at the station. You'd grab some homemade dumplings from an old grandma who was standing there selling them and jump back on the train and um yeah it was great yeah i think Good it's times. a lot more lax in uh, in russia about selling alcohol yes. i don't think you need to be ratified as a uh, as a, a licensee yeah that's right but that's that's great um, i didn't it was the last place i expected to have a really good wheat beer um and uh so many um I don't have a particular brand, but Alt Beer, Kölsch, Berliner Weiss, because I've spent 
time living in those areas where those beers are made. Um, so just love those. They're in the top as a favourite. Um, and just um, Skinner's Cornish Bitter. I don't know if you know Skinner's in no, Cornwall. No, I don't. No. Um, that was a sort of serendipitous visit I came across by accident. I always seem to find when I'm on trips with people like, oh, there's a brewery here. I'll have to go in there. And went in and there wasn't a tour, but they took me on a tour and sat at the bar and heard all the stories about the brewery and gave me all of their beers and beautiful, some beautiful English bitters. And it just um, was a, yeah, a great brewery just right out on the edge down there. And, and um, I think they're quite big now but um it was a nice little old-fashioned building with the cellar under there and i i just love in um england that whole kind of they've still and germany they've still got that local brewery thing where you make it locally you sell it locally and you just you don't drink a beer that's traveled really really far because the brewers say we're not going to sell our beer overseas or even to the next town because it's it it's meant to be drunk fresh and that's ideally what i'd i'd love to do eventually Mm. i think there's also that that just natural barrier of even making cask beer it's you can't find it really in australia very it's not prevalent at all just because of the hardware and the systems that you need to make it and the way you need to treat it so it's kind of a natural barrier and uh that's great but and henry did you have any that didn't quite make it I think the law, in the last, let's say the last two months, two interesting beers is, um, so one is normal beer. So Clifton Hill Brew Pub, they make really great beers, but they had like a red beer beer, and I don't know what type of beer it was, but it's like a red. It's called Clifton Hill Red. This tastes pretty good. It's, um, it's, like an, it's like an amber ale. Pretty nice. Yep, that's pretty good. And um, it was nice and cold. Fire, high alcohol is good. And then sour beer wise, I think... Um, Maybe because we did a trip out there, so we went to Holgate, we made at least their sour bread, but um, their red, their Holgate's red beer, it's like a Flanders style, great. Yeah, I think those two are probably the latest beers we have, it's pretty good, personally. And, yeah. and um, Nomad Goza, sorry, I've got to add another one. <laughs> it's Yeah, I just love it. I love Goza, that was one of the first ones I tried, and I that's the sort of one um, regional German beer that I haven't had in Germany, so it's yeah, you don't like it at all, Henry, but I just like salt in beer. But I just yeah, it's really refreshing. Maybe next year. So <laughs> <laughs> So we've got um you're you're a beaker man. Yes. You're, you're the beaker most, most certainly, yeah. And uh Annabelle, what's your receptacle? Um it's a pretty standard one. So I've got a sort of Belgian tulip glass um with little elephants on it from um delirium tremens uh so the story behind this and i won't name names to get people in trouble but a long long time ago this um i was at the belgian beer cafe when it was still the belgian beer cafe inside and i usually drank hogarden there and i thought i would delve out of my box and try something different and um decided to drink a few belgian beers I hadn't tried before and I tried the Delirium Tremens, which is another favourite. And um, I was like, oh, this glass is so amazing. I love it. It's like perfect. Like I love that you go, when you go to Belgium, they give you a different glass. For, and I'm like, where do you keep all those glasses in your tiny bar? But you get it served with the little peanuts in the bowl. And um, it's just, it's great. And I really liked the glass. And then um, 
my friend who was with me, when we left the pub, she goes, surprise, and pulled it <laughs> out of her handbag. She snuck it in there and um, given it to me, which I don't condone now as a um, <laughs> someone who's managed a bar and also owns a brewery. Um, don't steal glasses because <laughs> it's really annoying. <laughs> it is, but it's a beautiful glass yeah. and it looks in fine condition. So it clearly went to a good home. Yes. So that's, that's one good thing. So that's a consolation for the venue. It's, it's in good hands. Um, and beer snacks. So I'm going to make something and show you because it's like a South African relic. So I'll show you that. But um, maybe Alba can talk about this and I'll show you how to make mine first. Um, yeah. I've got two, sorry. Um, and I've got them to show you. Um, so this this is um, Sicilian olives, green Sicilian olives. And basically there was a bar, I can't remember the name, um, in Elwood when I used to live there that I went to a lot. And they made martinis um, that I had went there and had a martini once um, and they had these olives in it and they were just, I really liked them, thought they were really delicious and I, but I didn't want to drink martinis so they, <laughs> I, the bar staff were very kind and would give me a bowl of the olives with my beer <laughs> instead of um, in a martini and I just... Um, enjoyed them ever since with my beer and the other one i've got um wrapped up here is a peanut butter sandwich um so this this is just um basically the story behind this i guess is uh, my mum always said to me um make sure you eat when you're drinking and when i was at uni and we'd go out um i was poor and you know struggling to pay the rent and so I would take peanut butter sandwich in my handbag to stop myself buying food when I was out having beer <laughs> that's a little that's a, a life hack for uh, any listeners <laughs> who right. are in the same situation <laughs> but um just to explain to the listener we've got those Sicilian olives in front of us Henry and Annabelle you've You've been very kind. You've you've got the peanut butter sandwich, and I'm looking down here, Henry, at some very interesting uh, apparatus. This again looks scientific, but in a different way. So, so this started without actual beer. So um, this is like a snack that we always used to eat, but it's great with beer in any case. So um, there's a there used to be a province in South Africa called uh, Free State, and but it's not anymore. But then. Um, so we used to, because it was like a farming area and farmers did a lot there and we used to live a little bit there. So it's called a Free State Burger, which is made out of warm chips and a few sauces. So I'll show you how we made it. I mean, um, yes, it's a snack. You just make it and eat it. Sandwich. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll show you. So, yeah, let's uh, do it. Have you seen this done before, Annabelle? I have. I've mm-hmm. eaten many of these. Many and, a time. Um, it's pretty good. Um, so, some Dijon mustard yeah, going on. It's, it's also called a bunny chow. So yeah, Saturday rugby, beer shandies, and free state burgers. That's it, man. It's great. And it, does it have to be in this order? Are you putting any things on? Uh, not really. It's like as long as there's four things on there, then that's it, man. And is this a is this a South African staple, or is this something you dreamt up, Henry? No, it's just like we just made it and ate it. My father <laughs> used to eat it. We ate it. I I added maybe a bit more pickles than normal, but yeah, that's it. And then this is um, like a sauce you can buy in South Africa. Like it's called um, 
Mrs. Bull's chutney. It's just like normal chutney. Yeah. So it's like it's like McDonald's. Everybody tries to steal the recipe. So everybody's got it in the kitchen, and you put it into sauce and anything. So if you make tomato, really, she put it in that. Yeah. So it's like a chutney is made with yellow peaches. Yeah. Wow. And that just goes on there. So it's sweet and sour. Potato. And is this uh, easy to find, Henry? Around uh, any goals? Any goals? Really? We bought it. We bought it at Woolworths <laughs> today. You know, I've never seen it before, but I think I'll awesome. next time I go Absolutely. to supermarkets, I'll see nothing else but Mrs. <laughs> Balls. Put together and press all sauce in. That's it. Done. So, don't people? Um, sorry for interrupting your <laughs> recipe, Henry. But people, um, like drive over it or something yeah, to so make I'll, it flat so, 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 so if you were a student what you do is you basically get a whole you get a whole white bread you take the inside you take kind of the end of it and you take out all the insides of it and you buy chips and pickles and sauce put it in the inside until it's full close it up wrap it back up in the chip paper that you get so if you go buy chips you get like wrapped up into a packet take it wrap it up put it on the ground take a car just drive over it a few times to flatten like a pizza mash it all together take it out and eat it so when I do that it's like <laughs> Close to the same thing because the ingredients have to mix, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a student thing. I, I really don't know at this point if you if you if this joke is on me. No, it's not a joke. It's a real thing. It's actually a real thing. I just yeah. picture those ads yeah. where they drive over a fry pan and like it's it's completely ah, indestructible. Just like yeah. So that's how it looks. And, wow. Um, yeah. And you can Fantastic. Taste, taste some well, thank you. I'm, I'm the sauce is gonna go. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what. Mrs. Balls tastes like. I'm sure she's <laughs> very hospitable. <laughs> well, I don't know where the, a car would improve it. It's pretty no, good. It's pretty good. Just, yeah. It's pretty good if you a car. It's just like it just helps a bit. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's just like, a, yeah, so that's just, if I'll make a snack and I've got the stuff around, that's what I'll put together and I'll sit and watch a movie, eat that, drink a beer. Yeah. Well, you have olives. <laughs> I'm impressed that you've managed to um, actually quieting me down <laughs> <laughs> on my own podcast that's good so anything that you'd like to add before we before we go we, this has been quite an, a, a beer adventure I've really enjoyed recording because I feel like I feel like I've been on adventure particularly with all the international travels and all the uh experience that you've had so yeah. tell, tell us a little bit more uh, yeah thanks for coming i think um, annabelle should tell us something important about her women in brewing mm. adventure that she's starting up the most important thing to talk about uh, so i for a long time um i've wanted to start a sort of women's homebrewing club um not as an anti-men club at all but just um to get more women involved in homebrewing and feel comfortable to then go to other homebrewing clubs um, because unf- it's it's the minority, but unfortunately you still get like, I mean, I own a brewery now and I still get guys, uh, the odd guy ask me, do you, but do you actually drink beer? When I tell <laughs> them I'm a brewer. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's all that changing that. And so um, it's starting on Tuesday. So we'll have a monthly meetup on a third Tuesday of every month at the brewery just to learn a bit more about beer, beer tasting and brewing. And then we'll do a group brew every second month on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, and it should be great. Um, so 
I'm looking forward to starting that. And Henry can should probably tell you about his sour beer festival. Before you do, Henry, <laughs> the the women's gr- um, homebrew club that's on Facebook, isn't it? You've got a group on Facebook. The, yeah, that's the best so way to keep in contact. Yes, so there's a. It's you can also find a page on the Himmelhunt website. We've got it there, and it's Melbourne Women's Beer Appreciation and Homebrew Club. And you can also sign up on either the website or the Facebook page to the mailing list to find out when things are on. And so in terms of that's going to be here at uh, Himmelhunt in uh, Victoria Street in Brunswick. That's right. Yes. And um, women welcome, children. Yes, any dogs. any women and you can bring your children, your dogs. So all open. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. Everyone. That's a great. Uh, and as you said before about uh, two birds providing a role model for yourself, mm. I'm sure uh, groups like that certainly it is. Often you just need to see somebody doing it and give you the confidence to 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 get into it. So that's right. That'll be really exciting. And Henry Salbier. Yeah. Uh, so um, for I'm, the last I'm really few months, sad you're not doing a sandwich <laughs> festival. <laughs> <laughs> I can maybe like give sandwiches away. Then I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should make a sandwich festival. I love sandwiches. They're great. Um, so um, since I've started doing uh, battle thing, I've met, met many Serbian people. It's great, great community. And um, so, for whatever reason, I've decided. I woke up one day, said I'm going to have a festival because I want all the Serbian guys to be in one spot so that I can have it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. No, so um, so because we're here with like community stuff, etc. So yeah, on the, from the 14th to the 17th of September, we're going to have a Serbian festival just here in Brunswick, and it's going to be like it's going to be like Benny and Mob. We're going to have like a few Serbian guys coming, putting their beers on. Um, on taps to drink so the first day is part of festival um, the first day is a, a sour beer brewing competition so um, people are going to send their beer in to be um, checked and tested and drunk and scored by Annabelle and Bradford from White Rabbit so they're going to be the main people looking after it and a few judges etc and um, on the Friday morning we're going to have like a small conference slash seminar slash talk so we're going to talk about what's happening in CLBR from all the CLBR breweries around the place so um, all good guys coming free ravens the guys from Moondog um, just like for around from here and Lacerine um, just, just, we're trying to do it Australian like uh, what's happening in Australia yep. and then the, the night of the Friday night we're going to have a dinner at the spot at Mellor just around the corner Yep. so there'll be like tickets and we're going to have five three beers will be like new releases from both breweries and um some food so the chef is still busy deciding what he's going to make but it's going to be Australian food yep um, not South African I promise <laughs> and um, and then so that's the two days before the actual festival and then on the Friday Saturday and Sunday it's going to be tickets and you basically buy it and you get like little tickets for every brewery and you just walk down the street to the different places that's around here and go and have some Seabia from Australian Seabia breweries and are you hoping that will be an annual thing? Or yeah, so, so we, we, we can do it this year. So we started like nice and small. So I spoke to the guys from Good Beer Week and they said just start small, do a small little thing, off you go. And I'm going to assure it will become an annual thing. It's like in a weekend where almost nothing happens around beer in the country. So it's a good spot, I think. And um, I, I, I think our beer needs a bit of a push around just to get stuff going and do a bit more stuff because we, there's a few of us and we don't have many battles around the place. The more we can make it more we can play around and make good products so yeah I think it's going to be great yeah fantastic that's it 
Yeah, well, Annabelle, Henry, thanks so much for spending the time today to come on The Chosen Brew. I, I loved hearing your beer journeys and trips to various breweries and <laughs> <laughs> um, how sandwiches in South Africa are made, apparently, <laughs> or not. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you both. And, um, yeah, I urge people to come down at the first weekend every month. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks pleasure. for having us. It's thanks been fantastic. Us, yeah. Pleasure. So that was it, Henry and Annabelle from Himmel Brewing. Get yourself down to the tasting room in Brunswick. It's great fun there. And have a chat to Annabelle and Henry. They're just so knowledgeable, they're so welcoming and um, keen and enthusiastic to show you what they're doing and what projects they've got as well. I've also added in the show notes the link for the female homebrewing club that Annabelle's setting up which has already had its first meeting. And I'll also put in the link for the uh, Sour Beer Festival that will be taking place very, very soon. So make sure you click on that link in the show notes and that will take you through for all the details there. So what another bumper episode. So much fun. It's great to be hearing your feedback and thanks for those people who have reviewed the Chosen Brew podcast. Thank you to those many of you who are sharing it with your friends, even those friends who don't know what a podcast is I think this would be a nice one to get them on board with. I took a couple of pictures as well of uh, some of the creations that Henry was working on and also the barrel room. is So if you jump onto Instagram or Facebook on, or Twitter and follow uh, at The Chosen Brew, then you'll be able to um, see all of those pictures and that might wet your whistle for what's to come from Himmel. Thanks again to Annabelle and Henry for making the time. It was an amazing chat which I really enjoyed listening back to. Hold tight for the next episode. It'll be out on the 13th of the month. So tell your friends, rate it on iTunes, do all of those nice things, and I'll keep working hard at my end to hopefully be bringing you very good quality beer chat. So until next time, take care of yourself, and I look forward to sharing the next episode with you soon. 